Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses one through to eight. It's gonna be our text for today. And typically, if you've been at church on, on Resurrection Sunday, uh, the, the, the pastor, the speaker will take you to one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and uh, you'll dig in there, you'll, you'll look at the resurrection, and that's awesome. We've done that so many times around here. I wanna take us to, y'all right if we go from like a different perspective today. I wanna take you to a different perspective today because I think it's an important one. Paul writing to the, to the church at Corinth in chapter 15, verses one through to eight, this is what he says. He says, now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel. Come on, show hands, not a trick question. How many of you are one of, like you're like me, you need a reminder every now and then? Come on, like you need to be reminded of something, like where your key's at, where your brain's at, like all those things, right? I had to do it this morning. I was like, where is our other set of keys? And Erica's like, it was in your bag. I heard you drop them. It's in the other room. Like, I had no idea, right? So I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you. Ever shout gospel? The gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of, and this is the statement that I want us to hear today. I delivered to you as of first importance, as of first importance, what I also received, that, and here's what he received, that Christ Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In other words, Paul's saying this, that everything that we know about this word right here is true, it's valid, it's real. Come on, somebody. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, not literally fallen asleep, he was just being nice, they're dead, okay? <laughs> Verse seven, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Today as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, I wanna to speak to you from the subject of first importance. Of first importance, as we look at the power and the importance and the centrality of the gospel in our lives. Will you pray with me just one more time today? Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful, and it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, I'm asking that you would speak to us today. Our hearts are soft, our minds are ready to receive what it is that you have for us today. And I pray that the seed of your word would take root in our lives, that it would bear fruit, God and that we would find the promise of scripture and that is freedom. And we know your word promises that who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so we honor you today in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. I wanna read a quote to you from a, like a very famous and great theologian by the name of Ricky Bobby. He said this, it's in the Greek, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> if you ain't first, you're last. We're teaching our kids right now that in sports, there's not multiple places, there's first place. Come on, somebody, okay? I know some of you will judge me for that statement. Listen, we can talk about it after service. But the truth is, my, like, <laughs> we're trying to teach my kid, like, listen, this is, there's first place, there's nothing else. You compete for first, you go. So when I saw this movie for the first time, the movie erupted in laughter. And throughout the course of the movie, there was all kinds of, and, and I was stuck, I was stuck on that statement. If you're not first, 
your laughs. I didn't even know what to do with myself. I would randomly start laughing in the middle of the movie because of remembering him saying this statement. If you're not first, you're last. How many of you would agree with me that understanding what comes first is of great importance? Let me ask that one more time. How many of you would agree with me that understanding what comes first is of great importance? Have you ever built Ikea furniture? <laughs> so you know. Right? And it doesn't matter how many times you build Ikea furniture, the Swedes are evil this way, right? That little stick man. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many times you build that furniture, there's something inside of you, isn't there, that wants to just forget the rules and do it your way? I don't know what it is, there's like this weird temptation that comes over all of us as we build Ikea furniture, it's like, I don't need the instructions. And then you get to the end of it, come on, how many of you are like me? And you've got 55 screws left and a whole board and you're like, what's that for, right? <laughs> if you've asked the same questions, you know it's true, right? I have a, I have a, a cupboard in my, uh, like a drawer in my daughter's room right now that has a backwards board. Cause I was like, forget it, I don't even care, right? <laughs> Why? Because the truth is, what comes first matters. Yeah. You're building Ikea furniture, the, the first screw, the first board, in the first place, matters. What I've come to realize about, about life is that many of us are on a journey trying to figure out what we put in the first place. Many of us are trying to figure out as to what, what anchors our life. What is our life built on? What's the centrality of our life? What, 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 what does everything revolve around? And I don't know if you've noticed this, but it gets really complicated in this cultural moment because everything's changing, isn't it? Come on, how many of you would agree with me that over the past, let's say like five to seven years, everything has changed? It's a, it's a new place. Some of us are sitting in here today, we, we remember that, that time of life that was called pre-internet. Come on, that was such good days. Did he use a pencil? Call with a phone, it had a wire. Right, you remember answering machines? Oh, someone get crazy, right? My wife used to have a pager. <laughs> she, was, she was running drugs or something, so. <laughs> what are you doing, babe? You work at Subway. Like, I don't, like. <laughs> it's the third service, guys. We have one more. Come back to that one. <laughs> Everything's changed. Everything is changing. Stuff's transforming, it's new, 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 new. Have you noticed that? It's the, it's the new product, the new thing, the new place, the new, the new. And Paul's dealing, when he, when he speaks to the Corinthians about this, when he says like, I need you to understand what is of first importance. What he's trying to deal with at the end of the day is he's trying to deal with all the change that was happening around these, these people. The church at Corinth, they're in a society, they're in a cultural moment where everything is progressing, everything's becoming enlightened, people's minds are changing, and uh, thinking processes are changing, and the way people are doing life is, is changing, and there's technically technical advancements that are taking place in that cultural moment. Everything, just like us, this is why the Bible's so relevant to us, is because it's not, it's not speaking about these old things that don't matter, it's actually, there's such great truth in here, and if we're honest, we're in the same moment. It's just the technology looks different. Last night, my phone updated without my permission. I was like, what? <laughs> it's all changing. And as things change and things progress and it moves and it shifts, I'm becoming 
more and more concerned with what I find people anchoring their lives in. And I'm starting to notice that if we're, if we're not careful with what comes first in our life, our life has a tendency to fall apart. Or let's put it this way, if we don't put the, the first thing first and the right thing first, life tends to be built a little distorted. We got boards that don't look right, missing screws, <laughs> some more than others. <laughs> C.S. Lewis used this term that I love. It's a fascinating term. He called it chronological snobbery. And he would define chronological snobbery as this, is that when we live in, in moments that are progressing and when things are changing, it's the idea that we look at everything that's been in the past and everything that's old and we see it as irrelevant. It's chronological snobbery. How many of you would agree with me that there's some things in the past that are definitely not old and irrelevant? Right, right. It's actually some good, good things, but we're in these moments that we find ourselves in when everything's changing, we have a tendency to look backwards and go, none of that mattered, none of that, none of that has any weight or any bearing. And I just wanna to declare to us the old school gospel that Jesus of first importance in his place, the rightful place, first in our lives. And all of this is built on the resurrection of Jesus and he got up so that he could tell the world that your life and my life need to be built upon him. Yeah. It's first things first. It's of order and importance. See, the gospel's transcendent. It's not irrelevant, it's not out of date, it's not diminished or compromised. And while it may be difficult to swallow at times, uncomfortable to assimilate, and require more of us than we'd like to give of ourselves, there is one thing that it is not. Come on, somebody, the gospel is not outdated. This miracle, the story of Jesus' resurrection, come on, somebody, it is not outdated. It is not irrelevant. It is timeless, and it is necessary for us today just as much as it, as much as it was thousands of years ago. In Romans chapter 1, verses 16 through to 17, this is what Paul the Apostle would say. He says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Romans chapter 1, 16 through 17 is the declaration that of first importance is the gospel and the gospel is power. And the entirety of the gospel is predicated on this truth right here. As Paul would say to the Corinthians, that Jesus died, he was buried, and three days later, come on somebody, he rose from the grave. That is the gospel. It's the good news. And everything hinges on it. Everything's predicated upon it. Other moments of scripture, tell, there's no other gospel. That's what Paul would say. You can't add to it or take away from it. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Yeah, yeah. That's the gospel. So I want us to hear today, if you will, an old school gospel. We just look at the instructions and we go, this is what, this is the first thing first. This is the screw that goes in first. This is the piece of wood that goes in first. So that we can get it right. So that we can build our lives in the way that God has our lives to be built. Come on, somebody, anybody in church today? Because I don't know about you, but I wanna build my life in such a way that it has power and integrity and character and strength to stand in a world that's ever-changing. Come on, anybody with me in church today? So what I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna kinda simplify this for us and I wanna kinda deal with the what in the world. 
behind this truth of the resurrection. To look at three significant truths that we need to understand about the gospel to help us assimilate this and grab a hold of this. And I hope you're taking notes today, writing these things down. Um, if you need a piece of paper, just grab the one from your neighbor. They'll gladly give it to you. Um, <laughs> but I wanna give us some truths that I hope we can wrestle with today and maybe just take home and think about and ponder and pray over over the next few hours of our Easter celebrations, wherever you find yourself at today. Does that sound good with everybody? Yeah. All right, I need your help today. Come on, every shot number one. Come on, we're shot number one. Here's the, here's the first truth we need to grab a hold of is that the gospel establishes God's glory in and through Jesus. The gospel establishes God's glory in and through Jesus. Hebrews chapter one, verses three to four, one of my most favorite pieces of scripture says this, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels, just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. Now, what a statement. It's pretty much the Bible saying that like our guy's better than every other guy. Do you guys remember, I don't know how many of you were alive back then, but like, do you remember uh, like when you would have wars and you would diss people? So in, in my day, like when I was in elementary and junior high and even high school, we would use this phrase, somebody would diss somebody. We, I don't know if we use that word anymore. And they'd be like, oh, that's cold. <laughs> you guys remember that? <laughs> oh, that's called burn, yeah. Oh, that's called burn. <laughs> right now today we'd be like, oh, that's savage. Like we say these things. <laughs> And then remember when somebody would diss somebody and they'd be like times 100? <laughs> Do you remember this? And then they would keep on like adding it up. Oh, he just dissed you times 200. And then somebody would come out of nowhere. The kid that hadn't said anything the entire time and the one that's never picked for dodgeball, he would come out and he'd be like, times infinity. <laughs> and everybody was like, he won, right? That's what Hebrews is saying right here. He's saying that Jesus is better than anything that you can possibly imagine. He is the one that is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is above all things. It doesn't matter what you come up with, Jesus is better. Times infinity. <laughs> come on, is anybody thankful for a times infinity God? <laughs> and so we give him glory. The gospel establishes God's glory in and through Jesus. And it does this because Jesus is the central figure. Yeah. Ever notice that when it comes to the Bible and, and faith things, we have a tendency to try to put ourselves in the center of everything? Yeah. Ever notice that? Can I just like, I wanna help all of us out today. If you've like just started studying the Bible or looking at things, this is not first and foremost about you and I. We're not the central figures. The central figure is Jesus from the back to the front, from the front to the back and everything in between, every word, every letter, every sentence, every paragraph, every chapter, it is first and foremost about the one who is above all things, of first importance. Everything in this book is first about Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's good news. The gospel means good news. It's not about you and I. Oh, we play a character role in it. We're the messed up broken people in the whole story. Come on that Jesus got out of the grave for, went to the cross for, 
got out of the grave for. John chapter 11, verses one through four says this. Now a man was sick, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with her perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. You ever notice like stories in the Bible, they throw these like, out of, like these sentences, they're almost throwaway sentences. You're like, well, that's a weird statement to describe somebody. This is the one who like just, you know, anointed Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. You're like, that one's strange for me. <laughs> Continue on. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sister sent a message to him. We were just singing about this today. Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. See, so many of us today have given up. We've given in. We've given over to the idea that left, no marriage left, no resource left, no healing left, no freedom left. But the gospel tells us that no matter what the situation that you and I are facing today, there's still more to the story. And the reason there's more to the story is so that God gets the glory. See, we make this about us way too much. Glory is not, glory is about the giver, not the receiver. See, when God shows up and does a miracle in your life and in my life, it's not so that you get glory, it's so that he gets glory. Come on, somebody. (laughs) This is what's so beautiful about it. Lazarus would be the benefactor of a gift that he didn't earn, but one that was given. The gospel is about Jesus. It's always been about Jesus and will always be about Jesus. Number two, come on, Rashad, number two. Here's the second truth I want you to grab a hold of today is that the gospel identifies our total and complete brokenness. The gospel identifies our total and complete brokenness. This is probably like, let, let, let's call this the, um, the grandest, one of the grandest statements that you can see throughout, throughout scripture. It's the clarion call. There's, there's such great centrality in this. And Romans chapter five, verses six through 11, Paul writing one of the most beautiful letters that you can read in the New Testament. It says this, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. In other words, the Bible is saying like, for the most part, we don't think about dying for even good people, right? Like for someone to give their life for a good person, that's not something that crosses our mind very often. That's not something that like comes through our heart very often. But, verse eight, come on, every shout, but. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more than since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him who we have now received this reconciliation. See, we'll never experience the power of the gospel unless we understand what the power of the gospel is for and is for overcoming our brokenness. I know we don't like to talk about our brokenness, don't we? Like that's a hard concept because we try to rationalize our brokenness. But at the end of the day, I'm thankful for a church that you will not find one perfect person in. Come on. You won't find a perfect person in this room. You'll find a bunch of process 
bunch of people in process. And I'm thankful for a place like that. I'm thankful where we have a bunch of process. And here's what part of the process is, is realizing at the end of the day that this gift that was given to us was given by Jesus, through Jesus. And it, it came in a moment that we didn't deserve it. We often say around here, this is a gift that you cannot find at Walmart. You cannot pick it up in bulk at Costco. Amazon will not ship it to you because it is not on their countertop. What we need to understand is there is only one person that you can find this gift through. The gift of grace, the gift of forgiveness. Come on, somebody, it is only found through Jesus. Someone shout good news. Good news. It's good news for you and for me. See, the gospel is not just something that we believe in because it's another thing that makes our life better. The gospel is the difference between death and life. Yeah. And I love the fact that Jesus, while I was still messing it up, come on somebody, he died for me. Yeah. While I was still jacking it up, he died for me. Yeah. He gave his life for me. He gave his life for you. That's the power of Resurrection Sunday. That's the power of Easter, which brings us to our third truth today that I want us to hear. Come on over, shout number three. Yeah. The third truth is the gospel declares our right standing before God. The gospel declares our right standing before God. Romans chapter three, verses 21 through 24. But now, every shout, but now. but now. I love it when the Bible puts the but in the right place. <laughs> so good. But now. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed. Attested by the law and the prophets, the righteousness of God is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, since there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The fancy theological word that we employ here is known as justification. It's a term used throughout the Bible many different times. And, and let me give you the basic or more like clinical definition of it. And it's this, and I quote, it's a change in a man's relation or standing before God. It has to do with relationship, relations that have been disturbed by sin. And these relations are personal. It's a change from guilt and condemnation to acquittal and acceptance. In other words, justification is the declaration of our right standing before God as we place our faith in Jesus. Justification is a miracle that happens in a moment and it's instantaneous. Justification involves two very important components. The first one is this, is that it's forgiveness of sin and the removal of its guilt and punishment in our lives. And the second thing is it's the imputation of righteousness and Favor. It's not a change in disposition, but a rather a change in position that is granted to us by, in, and through Jesus. It's the injection of righteousness, and God sees us as righteous. How does he do this? The Bible tells us that there is a method to this miracle. First and foremost, it's by his power, not ours. Come on, somebody. The second thing is it's by his grace, not our works. It's with his blood, not our power. And it's through faith. Simple as that. Can't quantify it. Can't add it up. Can't dress it up. You can't figure it out. Here's what I've come to learn is if I can fit God into the box of my rationale, then I've invented him and he's no longer God. 
God operates miraculously outside of my understanding. And I stand right before his eyes as I put my faith and my trust in him. Close on this story. I have a 12 year old son and we've been on a journey. I read a book recently this year that has really challenged me and charged me to raise my boy, my daughters as well, but really focus, this book is focusing on, on sons, to raise my boy into a, into a man. I know for many of us, it, there's a conceptual issue. So what does it mean to be a, a, a man? And that's a whole nother conversation, but just work with me here, okay? To help him to be a person of integrity, character, and consistency. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been telling him, hey buddy, just so you know, you're 12 right now, you're still a kid. But when you're 13, that's what I'm telling them, you become a man. <laughs> it's so much fun. His mom's like, no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So he's like, mom, you're gonna have to just let me go. <laughs> so he's coming up in his mind with like what that's gonna entail. And I'm working to like kind of build this out for him. And there's gonna be some like, um, some things that we're gonna do and I'm kind of keeping that held back from him. And he thinks it's gonna be us just living off of, the, off of tree bark and wood berries as we roam the wilderness and <laughs> pine cones and fishing with <laughs> strings and paper hooks, right? But what I love about this moment in my son's life as I watch him kind of work through this transition is seeing his personality come out and how he sees things and works through things and one of the things that he's doing right now is he's, he's starting to assert himself. He's starting to stand his ground and learn how to stand up for himself. And what's a really interesting exercise to watch is when your child or your son in this case asserts himself towards you, right? Cause you're like, I'm bigger than you still, so. <laughs> So one afternoon I was getting on him about some stuff and I was upset at him and frustrated and I was blaming him for something that I had thought he had done. We're, we, we are real humans in our household. Come on somebody. So I was for sure, I was 100% sure that what had transpired in our home was his fault. And so I was going at him and I was like, hey buddy, like, and he, and he kept on defending, no, it's not my fault. I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And he got to the point where he was defending himself with such vigor that I could see the tears in his eyes. Cause he knew that he knew that he knew that he was right. Yeah. You ever been there before? Yeah. You, you ever have that thing it's like when you know that you're so, you're so right, husbands were never right, but uh, there's other times. <laughs> but you know that moment where you're so right, like you have, you're just, you're trying to assert and make sure. And so sure enough, he's standing there. And he wasn't disrespectful or anything like that, but he was like, he was trying to proof it. So through the, through the whole thing, long story short, is I, I found out some information <laughs> through other voices <laughs> in my home, <laughs> mainly my wife's, <laughs> that in fact, he was not wrong. And therefore, I was wrong. Now, one thing we're doing in our house and we're very intentional about is we've said, no matter what, if we know that we are wrong, we will apologize to our children. Yeah. We're gonna lord it over them. They're humans, we wanna give them dignity and worth and value and let them know that just because they're a kid doesn't mean that they're wrong. So I walked over to my son 
and I said, hey, buddy, I need, I need to let you, I need to apologize. I need to let you know that you were right, dad was wrong, and I'm, I'm so sorry. And what I watched take place in that moment will stay with me forever is because as his dad stood over him and declared him as being right, his disposition changed. His shoulders shot back and his chest went up because he knew it. How many of you agree with me that there's something powerful in being told that you're right? Yeah. And here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. The beautiful thing about justification is that in all of our wrongness, Christ died. And through that death, burial, and resurrection, as we put our faith in him, he declares us still in all of our brokenness as righteous. And we're not. We have nothing to give. We have nothing to bring to the table. And yet, he died for us, for you and for me. Church, that's the resurrection story. And when he declares that dead things come back to life, when he declares us righteous through his blood and through his resurrection, dead things come back to life. And there was a moment in my life where I said yes to this gift, when I said yes to the broken, buried, and resurrected Savior, and all of a sudden my disposition changed, and all of a sudden my shoulders went back, and all of a sudden my chest popped out, and I decided, wait a second, I can stand with a new posture. Why? Because I have been forgiven, and I have been made righteous because of Jesus, not because of my own merit, but because of what Jesus has done. And the Bible says this, if you're wondering, well, how, how, do I, how do I get that? It says that you believe and you confess. That I believe and I confess. So here's what I'm gonna ask us to do in just the remaining moments of this service. I'm gonna ask everybody just to stand to your feet as we get ready to close. While you do, I'm gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. So I wanna give us an opportunity to say yes to the risen Savior. I wanna give us an opportunity to say yes to the one who paid it all for you and for me. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I want you to consider right now, have you said yes to this gift? There's many of us in this room today and in overflow and online who, who have said yes to Jesus. But I know there might be some of us in this room today and in overflow and in online who have yet to say yes to Jesus. And so what we're gonna do in this moment is we're gonna pray a prayer. There's nothing special in these words, but rather the heart from which these words come. And friend today, if that's you, if you'd be saying, man, Jason, I wanna say yes to the risen savior, Jesus. Make this your prayer today. We're gonna pray it all together out loud so we don't leave anybody out today. I wanna make sure that you have the opportunity to, to say yes to him. So come on, as loud as you possibly can, would you repeat these words after me? Everybody say, Jesus, I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. And I'm putting my future in your hands. 
save me, change me, make me new. And I declare in this moment that I'm following you all the days of my life. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today I am turning to do things your way. Lead me in this great journey of faith. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around in this moment, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you're saying yes to Jesus, come on, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just wanna know that you're with us right here, 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 all right here, right here, right over here, right over here, right over here. Come on, right over here in the back. Anybody else today that would be saying, this is me right over here. I see you guys, two guys back there. Come on, right over here in the center. Come on, anybody else today? Right over here, buddy, I see you, man. Hands going up everywhere today, so great. So fantastic. Come on, anybody else today, if you haven't lifted your hand and you're saying, man, this is me, I wanna say yes to Jesus. I'll put my faith in him today. So beautiful. Come on, can we lift our head, open our eyes? Come on, can we celebrate all those saying yes to Jesus today? Come on. Wow. Listen, before we dismiss, this is not just a decision that's done flippantly, and I understand that. So we've created a really great way for you to connect and for you to kind of figure out next steps and really just how to dig in a little bit deeper. And so the service dismisses. If you are one of those people that lifted your hand today, would you do me a massive favor? Head out to the center of our lobby. Right there, we got tables, we got a team of people. We're gonna do a couple things. First, they wanna put this book into your hand. This is the Bible. This is of first importance. This is the roadmap for all things faith. There's nothing else that you need but this right here. Come on, somebody. And then second, we've got just a little book that we put together. It's got some resources in it. And more importantly, some, uh, we answer some questions here and just uh, simplify some things so that you have a better understanding of what it is that you're reading. As We'd love to be able to put that into your hand this afternoon. It's our gift to you. We don't want anything from you. We just want everything for you. You're not joining a church today, all right? We're not asking that or anything like that. We just wanna put some resource into your hands so you can walk out this journey of faith, amen? Secondarily, if you're a guest with us today, we'd love for you to visit us at the same table. There's one outside as well. We've got a gift for you that we wanna put into your hand. Here's what I wanna encourage you to do. Can you just lift your hands just one more time to heaven as we get ready to dismiss? I wanna just pray a blessing over you. I wanna thank you for being here this Easter Sunday. I really do hope that it spoke to you. I pray that you feel at home here, feel comfortable to walk out your journey of faith. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every single person in this room today. God, I pray a blessing over every single person in this room today. In our coming and our going, I pray that we would know your presence and your grace. God, that no weapon formed against us would prosper. And God, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above what we could ever ask, hope, or imagine in the life of every single person in this room today. I thank you for them. I thank you that they were here today for such a moment as this. Thank you that you are a good God and you are a risen Savior. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shout it. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. We love you. You are dismissed. Happy Easter. God bless you.